Again, good morning, everyone. As I always say, it is a pleasure to stand before you all to bring another message from God's inspired word. Thankful for the brethren who have helped to carry out the services and thankful for your presence this morning as we come to give God that worship that is rendered as due unto him because he is a God who has made us all, created us all, has given to us all so freely. And it's our chance of saying th- a, a chance of saying thank you and giving him the praises that he deserves. Amen. We've been dealing with patterns as we have stated patterns and forms. And as we continue to go down this this road of observing patterns, it's something that I want to look at today. I want us to look at the, the pattern for unity. Now, I want us to know what unity really is, because there is a misconception of what unity is. If you tied two cats together and they both decided they want to go somewhere, they would have unity or they would be united, but there would be no true unity because they would have different mindsets. One may want to go left. One may want to go right. It's the same thing that when it comes to us as children of God, the Bible teaches us that we cannot serve two masters. So we are going to be either united to one or the other. And we have to make a decision of where we're going to stand. And we have that choice to make. It is a choice that we have to make daily as Christians. I love what the psalmist says, Psalm 133 and verse number one. Behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, I want you to notice this, how good it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. When we think about that in the terms of us today as Christians, It is a good and perfect thing for us to be joined together in that same mind and that same judgment, which brings about unity. Now, again, there are certain things that me and you may have a difference of opinion on. We may see things differently. But when it when it comes to matters of doctrine and what does that the Lord, we have to be a united front to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And it's through these examples I want us to see today as we began our introduction about unity. Because, again, there are phrases that sometimes people say in the world that we can agree to disagree. And again, respectfully, we can agree to disagree about certain things, as we pointed out in our Bible class this morning. What color was Jesus? What did Jesus write on the ground? And things like that. But when it comes to matters of salvation, you and I cannot say, well, we can just simply agree to disagree. That's why we have so many denominations in the world today, because of that fact of simply agreeing to disagree and saying that we're going to go to heaven. We're we're, we're taking different routes to go to heaven, but we're all going the same way. Well, I'm always told what the Bible teaches and a song that's in our songbook that there's only one way. There's only one way. And that way is through Christ Jesus. And that way is through Christ Jesus who has spoken how things should be. And so I want us to deal with the fact of what I stated with in Psalm 133 and verse number one, how good and how much pleasure it is for us to dwell together in unity as brethren. Do you know the thing that bonds us together and the things that the thing that creates unity is that gospel message? It's that gospel of Jesus Christ, that gospel where Paul said he's not ashamed of it. And it's that gospel that was preached to the Jew first and that was also to the Greek. That was the power of God that he would go out and tell everybody. That's the same thing that should bind us together. 
Because if you think about something that's going to be united, there's something that joins it together. If I gave each one of us a puzzle piece and we all put our puzzle pieces together, guess what it makes? It makes a complete picture if we have all the puzzle pieces. Without one of those pieces, the whole puzzle would not be united. I tell anybody who knows me, you know that I, I've always said I love to work on jigsaw puzzles. And the most craziest thing that can happen to you is that if you're finishing a jigsaw puzzle and you get down to the end and guess what? You're missing a piece. Man, there's nothing more frustrating than that. And I do 1,000 piece puzzles, 1,500 piece puzzles. And the last one I did, I made it all the way to the end and was missing a piece in the middle. Made me feel bad. I just threw the whole thing away because I couldn't find it. And it was it was no 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 it was not even a, a case to or used to even look for it. So I'll do another one again one day soon, Lord willing. But I think about what it means for it all to come together and what that picture represents. When you look at the front of that puzzle box, there's a picture that says it's going to be a picture of a field or it's going to be a picture of balloons or whatever the case may be. It gives you a full understanding of what you're going to be putting together with those puzzle pieces. You know, when it comes to unity, it works the same way. If we follow what thus saith the Lord and do it the way that God said for us to do and for us to have unity, there is nothing wrong with us having friends in the world. But the true unity needs to be with those who are inside the body. I should want to spend majority of my time with those who are like minded, who I can be united with. And when it comes to being united, that means that we have something in common. You, us and the people in the world have jobs. We may have things we like to do. But when it comes to the overall theme of I'm trying to make it to heaven, I need to reunite or be united with those who are like minded. Be thinking on those things that are pure, just those things that are of good rapport, those honest things and be around people who have that same mindset. So I want you to notice the pattern that Jesus laid out going back to John chapter 17 and picking up with verse number 20. Now, you have to remember, this is Christ's prayer and Christ prayed that we be two. No, he didn't pray for two. He prayed that we be one. There are so many people who try to make two, three, four, five, six, seven out of one. When you talk to people who are of denominational backgrounds and they may say, well, we look at John chapter 10 and the different vines and the branches. You know, Christ is the, is the, brine, the vine, but we the, we the different organizations are the branches. Well, I want you to notice that those branches will be hewed in the fire. Anything that is not of God will be uprooted. We cannot have uniformity and be united with those who don't speak the truth. We have to get that throughout through our heads and be able to be cognizant of that fact. But I know that there are brethren today who will push the fact and say we need to hook up with the people of this group or that group in order to bring glory to God. I never read in the Bible that God's people join forces with the Canaanites. I never read in the Bible that God's people join forces with the Jebusites or the Havites. I do read, in fact, that God tells his people, I don't want you to mingle with them. I want you to stay united as a front together because I have put you in a place. I need you to have uniformity and be united with each other so that you do not have to go out there and be like the nations around you. You know why? Because once they let somebody in and once they grab hold of those nations around them, they will start doing the same things that those nations were doing. 
And that's exactly what happened to God's people. That's why he warned them to not join forces with them. So when I think about the prayer that Jesus had, the prayer that Jesus made, it was one that we be one again. Not that we be so many different types of Christians, but there's only one group. One. He says in verse number 20, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou father art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. I want you to notice this mindset of one. The father, the son, and the Holy Spirit all were how many? They were one in what they did. You won't find the father saying something different than the son nor the Holy Spirit. It is the fact that when you continue to read in the book of John, if you back back one chapter, I want you to notice what Christ says about the comforter or about the Holy Spirit. When you read in John chapter 16, beginning at verse number seven, I want you to notice these words. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient that I go away for if I go not away, the comforter will not come. If he stayed, the comforter or the Holy Spirit would not come. But he says, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to my father and ye see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. How be it when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth for he shall speak of him for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Notice, the Holy Spirit was going to come and was going to be able to reprove the world of all sin. It was going to show righteousness and, and glorify Christ. He would not say anything to change up what has already been set forth. You know why? Because they were one. They were united. They were together. It is that same togetherness that you and I have to strive to have to be in the body of Christ. It is that same oneness, that same mindset that's going to help us make it to heaven. I know that sometimes we find it hard to do these things. And sometimes we'll even say, well, Brother Ford, can we even do that? Yes, we can. We can all speak the same thing. We can all live the same way. What, what stops us? Well, unfortunately, it's us. Unfortunately, it's us who hinder us from being one. So for some reason, we are bound and determined to be two. Because we don't take the time out to be what we need to be and realize how important it is. Do you know that we can do more together than we can apart? You ever try to lift, you ever try to lift something heavy? You got, a, you got a refrigerator that needs to be moved? I've never seen a wife say, baby, sit back. I got this. That man is going to say, you know what, let me, let me take care of that. Let's, let's, let's get something else and we can lift this thing together because it's easier when we all do our part. When it comes to a congregation of God's people, we all have to come together 
to do our part. Whether whatever whatever part you may contribute, there's some people say, "Well, I don't know what I can do." Your presence, your encouragement, your prayers are enough to get started to help us continue to be one. When we study our Old Testament, and I want us to look from Old Testament to New Testament, when we look at examples of God's people coming together to be one, and I want you to notice the results every time. The results are always positive when God's people come together to be one. The Ecclesiastical writer said in Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 through 12 that when two come together, they have heat. They can, they can lie together. They can have heat. Two come together so that they won't be alone. And then he talks about in verse 12, that threefold cord, which is not quickly broken. That is a beautiful thing. And that's why it takes us being united together to stand firm. We read in Luke chapter nine. How did Jesus send his apostles out? He didn't send them out one by one. He sent them out in twos so that they can be together. There is something great about being with somebody who is like minded. That is somebody who shares the same mission as you do. Somebody who is loving God the same way that you do. It's a beautiful thing. It's an encouraging thing. And it's something that we have to strive to have with one another. So now, with that being said, I want us to look at the Old Testament. And then we're going to come to our New Testament. I want you to meet me in the book of Exodus, the 36th chapter. Exodus 36. And I want us to notice what happens when God's people come together. When you read the book of Exodus, you have to realize that Exodus, these people, God's people were getting things prepared. God's people had been in Egypt. They made their way out. And now they are they're built. They're building the things that God wants them to build. And so Moses, as he tells them that there is work that needs to be done, when you look at verse number three, I want you to notice what is stated. He says, and they received of Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it withal. And they brought yet unto him free offerings every morning. And all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work, which they made. And they made unto Moses, saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord God, which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and too much. Man, can you believe that? That they, they gave so much that Moses had to tell them to stop giving. He told them, you know, look, y'all coming together too much. We got everything we need and we have more. Could you imagine how strong the Lord's church would be today if we came together? And not just talking about out of your pocket give. You give of yourself that much. That you pour into somebody and build somebody up. And that that same person can pour into you and build you up. And we do that as a congregation. And be united as a front. Whether we be rich, poor, black, white, young, old, whatever the case may be. Can you imagine how that would look for that congregation? These people gave of their means. That's how united they were. Because what? There was a purpose that they were doing. They had to complete this sanctuary. And they knew that, guess what? I'm going to give and I'm going to give until I can't give anymore. The question is sometimes asked. I've heard many preachers say this. 
if the if the congregation looked like you, what would the congregation look like? Would the, would the doors be open? Would there be growth? That's a question we have to ask ourselves. But if we find ourselves not being able to answer that question, we need to realize what's going on with us and see what areas we can improve in. Get with people who are going to be like-minded. You're only going to grow by being around people who are growing. If you're around people who say, well, I've got it all figured out. I don't have anything else to do. I don't have to read my Bible. I just show up and I'm going to be fine. That's a problem. We got to get past that. We got to keep on growing and keep on going because that's what God has commanded us to do. So you have an example of God's people coming together for the commandment first because it was of God. You know, we're commanded to assemble with one another on the Lord's day. But the Lord's day shouldn't be the only time that we hear from one another. We, if we're going to be a truly united front, let's learn more about each other. That's something I'm going to continue to preach and teach. I know we may have that in small, in small groups. We have some who get along with this or not just get along, but some who spend more time in this. I know we have our busy lives. I know that life is going on. I know there are 7,976 things that you have to do Monday through Friday or Sunday, and you may not be able to get a chance to go sit with brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. I know that life is going on, but we still got to make time for one another. Well, Brother Ford, you, it's, it's, it's hard, Brother Ford. I just don't know if I can do it. Yes, you can. We can do it. I'm reminded of what the Bible teaches us. Where our heart is, that's where our treasure will be. Where we spend our most time at, that's what be the thing that we be united with. I bet you, I bet you we, we, I bet you we united with them, them televisions. We united with them restaurants. You know, I was going to say we united with the bold and the beautiful, but I, I don't know if the bold and the beautiful still come on. I, I, I say that jokingly. I was speaking with my grandmother, and she said, boy, I got to watch my story. I said, man, you still watching the bold and the beautiful after all these years? But that's a sermon for another day. <laughs> Being a united front means that we come together because it's commanded, because there's a purpose for us to fulfill, and also because it's an edifying thing. Do you know what it, what it have done for those to see each one give of their means? And I don't have the question, do this person really love God or really love me? Because guess what? They show that they love. Being able to show somebody you love them instead of just telling them is a beautiful thing. Don't just love me in word, love me with action. You know, it's the same thing that God has said to us. Don't just say with lip service, we love you, God. We show by our action. The unity that God's people had to come together to make the sanctuary they gave so much that they had to be told to stop giving. Now, I want us to look at another example of God's people coming together. Let's this time look at Ruth. I know Ruth is one of those examples. You say, well, what, what, what are you going to find in Ruth? Let's look at Ruth, the first chapter. Ruth chapter 1. At the beginning of this book, we see that Naomi has two daughters who have lost their husbands. And there was Naomi who tells both of her daughters-in-laws to, to go back, to, to turn away. You know, I, she had nothing to give them. She said she's too old to marry again. She's not going to have any more children. You know, 
She wants them to leave her. And so when you look at verse number 14, back unto her people and unto her gods, return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God, my God. Notice the mindset of Ruth. Ruth said, I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to join myself with you. I'm going to be united with you. And your people shall be my people. Where you stay, I'm going to stay. And your God will be my God. You know, how did, how did this work out for Ruth? You know what? She ended up finding her Boaz. And she ended up being able to be married again, to be able to come together with someone again. All because she stayed and was united with Naomi. So the purpose was to also encourage Naomi because Naomi was one who lost her, her children, but she ended up finding more. You never know what you're going to get from being a united front. The benefits of being united with people. Lot was one who benefited from being with Abraham. Genesis chapter 13, Lot, Abraham tells Lot, you, we both have too many herdsmen. If you want the left, I'll take the right, because guess what? We be brethren. Again, that word brethren, meaning that we are that, we are that unit that, come, that has come together. Now, let's look at a New Testament example. Let's begin first in Acts, the second chapter. I want to make this plea for unity. Acts, the second chapter. Verses that are very familiar with us all. After Peter has given his discourse on the day of Pentecost. And we see, beginning at verse number 40. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So you have 3,000 souls that came together that day who had obeyed the gospel. It's that those that were gladly, who had gladly received his word. And notice what it says in verse number 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things coming. They had all things coming. That means they, they were a united front. Can you imagine the fact you got all these different Jews of different backgrounds? They traveled from all these different areas, as we see at the beginning of Acts chapter 2. And now they've traveled, they've been here in Jerusalem, and now they don't have any resources. They don't have the things they need. So what does the church do? They just pray for them and tell them just go about their business and God will give to them, right? That's not what they did. They came together as a unit because they had all things coming. What did they do? Verse number 45 tells us, and they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Because that's what you do when you are a family unit. Having that mindset when nobody has to bear the burden alone, coming together so that we can take care of a need is a beautiful thing. That's what you see God's people do. A genuine need. 
You've heard me say it multiple times. I'll continue to say it. There is nobody in this congregation who should be without food, water, clothing, shelter, or anything or any congregation of God's people. God's people should not be without the, the basic necessities of life. None of us should. As long as we, if, if now, again, you may say, well, Brother Ford, you went out there and did something crazy. I, I understand how life works like that. But just if, if just the general basics, if I'm on hard times, if I've lost a job, I'm sick or something like that, there is no reason that we should cast each other out and not be there for each other. That's not what the church does. We have to be a unit that comes together. These people love each other so much that they sold their possessions and gave it to somebody else who distributed what they needed among all men. Now, I'm not telling you go put your house up today. I'm not telling you go. Now, don't, let, let, let's not be extremists now. Don't go, don't go sell the house because somebody needs a light bill paid. Then you're going to need a place to stay, especially in this housing market. You're going to be in trouble. But the mindset of being a unit and having unity that they would do something like that. Are we so attached to our possessions today that we wouldn't give, give away a few things or, or give somebody something or sell something just so somebody else's needs can be met? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that all of us have a few things that we can get rid of that we don't really need that could help somebody. Probably got eight track tape players and and bell bottom pants and goldfish shoes somewhere that you can sell somewhere and and, and get and get a few bucks for. But the those possession things of this world, we should be able to use those things to take care of the needs of others. We should be able to put each other first because there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible teaches us in Philippians chapter 2, Paul said it was the mindset of Christ. What was that mindset? To esteem others better than themselves. To esteem others, to put others first. That's the mindset of Christ. Let's look at one more example before we go to our next point. You may say, well, Brother Ford, where are we going with this? I want, I want to lay how important it is to have unity down because with unity, there breeds strength. As the phrase said, there's strength in numbers. It is indeed strength in numbers. But before we get to that point, let's look at Acts, the 11th chapter. Acts, the 11th chapter. Acts, chapter 11. And we're going to look at verse number 27. After they had been at Antioch and they were first called Christians at Antioch, that it tells us in verse number 26. I want you to notice verse number 27. It states, and in the days came and in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the spirit that there should be a great dearth or a famine throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. You see the church continue to work even in a time like this when those who had the most they sent to those who were without. A famine was coming throughout the whole world, and they still took it upon themselves to make sure that their brethren had what they needed. You can go look in the, in the book of Acts chapter 4 and also chapter 5 and see how those that sold land and did certain things to make sure that people went without, 
because they wanted to keep the unit together. Now, to my point of why we need unity, because there again is strength in numbers. The more people you can put on a project, the more people you can have to come together, the more that we can come together and strengthen each other. It does great for ourselves and also for the person who needs to be strengthened. So often people run away from people. We should try to run toward people who are like minded again. We should try to run toward people who have our best interests at heart. We have to be people who let people in. We have to be vulnerable if we're going to be a true unit because nobody wants to be unified with somebody they can't trust. Nobody wants to be unified with somebody who they don't know. So what's the solution? Get the learning so you can trust people. So, well, Brother Ford, it ain't that easy. You don't, you don't know what them, what them folks did to me back in the days. You don't, know, you don't know what happened back in the days. Well, I know what's happening right now. And I know what the Lord has done. So we have to keep those things in mind in order to, for us to present it as a unified, strong front to combat whatever comes our way. Paul didn't do this, do this alone. Paul, every congregation Paul wrote to, he had fellow laborers who were there with him who he could reach out to. He talked about Epaphroditus. He talked about um, Barnabas. He talked about Saul, um, I said Saul, Silas, Timothy, all these different people who he had a, uh, had a bond with and he had care for and that he strengthened so that they can do what? They can go out and teach others also. Second Timothy 2 and verse number 2. Unity is the prayer that Christ prayed for, that we be one. Going back to the book of John, the gospel of John, I should say. John chapter 17, to finish off what Christ is saying. He says again in verse number 22, in John chapter 17, and the glory which thou gavest me, I, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and has loved them also, I mean, as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundations of the world. If we're going to be truly unified with each other and complete the prayer or Make sure that we can do the prayer that Jesus prayed for. He said that we will be with him. That's the goal. I want to be Christ-like, and I want to dwell where Christ resides. So I need to make sure that I follow the same pattern that he said. As the Father and the Holy Spirit and Christ are, if we follow Christ, he'll dwell in us, and we'll be able to dwell with him. Because at the end of the day, it's all about making it to heaven. So when we think about unity, unity is something that we can't afford to say is not a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a major deal. It is something that we should strive to obtain. Now, I'm, I'm keeping it on the positive side today with just unity. But I want us to notice that also next week, Lord willing, that when it comes to unity, the phrase is like, can we agree to disagree or just to get along, go along to get along. Those phrases don't prompt what un true unity is. 
Again, unity is a coming together for a purpose. We we are we have unity today when we come together as God's people to worship. We have unity when we come together to do evangelism and we when we come together to study and talk with people. Our mind should be focused on that and focused on God as we come together to worship because that's what Christ prayed for. That we be one. That we're not divided, but that we be one. On the small little issues about things, you can have your opinion. But Christ prays that we be one. And the only way that we're going to be one is if we have the same mind and the same judgment that we see in this book. He ends it in verse 25 and 26. O Father, O righteous Father, the world had not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. When we have Christ in us, When we show that unity, we show that we have Christ in us. We show that we want his prayers to come true, that we can be one. You go to Ephesians chapter four, it lists all those ones. Oneness, togetherness, singleness of heart is what we should strive for. No matter backgrounds or whatever the case may be. Unity should be achieved through Christ Jesus. And it can be achieved through Christ Jesus. And it's only going to be achieved through Christ Jesus. The sermon is yours. As we extend the Lord's invitation, as we always do, this e as we get ready to depart this afternoon, it is my prayer that we can realize the importance of this. You know, that it's not just a, a checklist. Christianity is not just a checklist religion with us. That we seek to be how the Bible wants us to be. That we seek and that we're striving to be as Christ would have us to be. Heaven is a real prepared place. Jesus said that he go to prepare a place. He says... In his father's house, there are many mansions, John 14, verses 1 through 3. There's many mansions. There's a place that has been prepared for us. And if we want to go to that place, we have to obey the gospel. We have to obey that gospel message. We have to accept that invitation that Christ offers. Christ says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Those sweet words of Jesus. He says, come unto me. If you're tired, you're beat down. If you want, you've been trying to unite with the world, the world ain't got nothing to give you. None but a little pleasure for a little while that just lasts for a season. But when it's all said and done, if you're not rooted in Christ, if you have not grasped hold of Christ, if you are not a part of the Lord's army and have not in entangled yourself with Christ and have been added to his church, it's not going to be well with you on the day of judgment. We can take care of that today. We can help you be united with Christ. And therefore, you can be united with brothers and sisters all across this nation, 
all across this world who are like-minded. Are all the members of the church perfect? Because I'm not going to say, I, I will say, is the church perfect? Yes, the church is perfect. It's just us who in the church who sometimes muddy the water. But the church is perfect. To be a part of his church is what you should strive to be united to. Because even if everybody decided to go left and you stay right with God, you can have your soul saved. And it's the only way you're going to get it is by being united with Christ. Obey the gospel by hearing the word according to Romans 10, 17. After hearing those words, we must believe those words according to John 8 and verse 24. After believing, one must repent of all sins according to Luke 13, 3 and 5. And then also confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God according to Matthew 10 and verse 32. And then one must be baptized for the remission of their sins according to Acts 2, 38. Have your sins completely removed. Not have to go worry, not have to worry about those sins. One must continue to be faithful, live a, a faithful life, united in Christ to receive the crown of life, according to Revelation 2 and verse 10. If you are a child of God and your unity has turned to disunity with your brethren or even with Christ, if you have found yourself straying away, anchor back in Christ, because that is the anchor of our soul. As the song says, steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Come back. Come back to Christ. If you've never named him and never been joined to him, make that choice today to be with him while you still have life today. If there's any way we can help this afternoon, please do so as we stand and sing the invitational song. Here it is.